0: So on Monday we talked about the Nephilim, the giants, which have all different kinds of names throughout the Bible, Nephilim, Anakim, Rephaim, Amim, Zamzumim, there's also giants throughout other clans mentioned throughout the Bible, but um, today we're going to kind of continue that conversation into the conversation of demons, because it's our spooky week. Here on uh, our October... So continuing the conversation? Jackson Cloud Halloween, week. Halloween series, yeah. <laughs> so we talked about giants. Today we're talking about demons. And what have you heard about demons in the past? What exactly are they according to what you've been taught before? Fallen angels? Fallen angels works because in Revelation you see Satan lead a bunch of angels against God... Uh, and God casts them all out of heaven. There's like a third of the angels fall from heaven during that that war. And so demons is kind of like a blanket word for any spiritual entity that's against God. So yes, fallen angels would fit that capacity. Uh, so in uh, supernatural lore, um, demons typically possess a body with black smoke and then they use that host to then wreak havoc upon the world and... Uh, some of them are even more powerful and have different colored eyes. That's where they come from, or is it a... <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just. So when you say supernatural do, lore, you're talking about the TV shows. Correct. I'm talking about the TV shows, which yeah. I haven't seen. Uh, nothing about black smoke in the Bible or anything like that. They 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 come in. They look like black smoke. They smell like sulfur. Well, I will give you the uh, this idea that they're different levels, though, because uh, we're starting to see that already. If if demons are any kind of spiritual entity that's opposed to God, then the fact that some of them are fallen angels means that just as angels were ranked in heaven, you'd have this idea that they're kind of ranked, ranked in, in, hell, as in well. hell as well. Yeah, Because the Old Testament, you really only get one mention of demons in the entire Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word Shadim. And uh, it seems to be referenced to um, the false gods, the little G-gods which are entities, spiritual beings that would reign over nations. So you see different kind of rankings. So you mean there's a hierarchy? Yeah, and that's actually well known just in biblical lore of the supernatural world. Whether it's heavenly or earthly, you expect there to be hierarchy. Uh, A kingdom, uh, Jesus says, when he's talking about demons, he says, you know... uh, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, which gives you the implication that every demon's probably not just getting his own way, but subjected to someone else because just as human kingdoms can't stand when they're all trying to be in charge, demonic kingdoms can't stand. Likewise, Satan, right? When he's tempting Jesus, he shows him the whole world and he's like, I have power over this. If you want it, you can worship me and I'll give it to you you're not going to see all the other demons being like, I have power over this. There's this implication Satan has inherited power over the world because he's tempted humanity into the world. That's not to say that Satan's the only one who has power over the countries because in Daniel you see the prince of Persia, prince of Greece, uh, and those are spiritual entities ruling over Greece and Persia, which gives you the implication like, they may not, Satan may not like possess every one of those places himself, but they are all united no matter what they're in control of. They're united on the front of we're trying to destroy humanity and God's plan. So whether you're a fallen angel or just a some kind of demon, a spirit <laughs> that has turned against God, um, you are nonetheless... If you're against God in the spiritual realm, you are therefore kind of termed under the blanket word demon. Okay, so while demons can be fallen angels, they also can be giants, uh, so it seems. Um, Which, it kind of surprises you to think of it that way, but now that we've learned about giants, think of what they are. You know, they're like, they're part heavenly being, part human being. God didn't make them, but they've been created by uh, people that, things that God has created, right? Uh, so what are they? Where do they belong? Do they belong in heaven, on earth, and, and Sheol in Sheol, and the underworld? Uh, it seems like the idea is essentially like they, they belong in Sheol. And the way that we see this is in Isaiah. This is where we think that the idea of um, giants becoming demons, probably first starts getting his crowning in. Uh, Isaiah 14, 9 says, Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the shades to greet you, all who were leaders of the earth. It raises from their thrones all who were kings of nations. So the shades in the underworld were leaders on the earth, they had thrones, kings of nations. Those are things that we might think of kind of with giants, but here's especially why it rouses the shades to greet you. The word shades in Hebrew is Rephaim. And you might recall in our talk on Monday, the Rephaim were also known in some ways to be giants. So when we see here in Hebrew, it, uh, uh, when Satan's headed to Sheol, it's the the Rephaim who are aroused to meet him in the underworld. Well, that makes you think like the dead giants are are there. They're a part of the demonic world of, of the Bible. The Jews later go crazy with this. When they make uh, when they write some of their literature like Enoch, they're like, I think Maccabees too. They're just like, Yeah, the uh, the demons, uh, the when you kill a giant, its spirit remains and that spirit becomes a demon. And I think Maccabees talks about how God only allowed so many of those spirits to remain and keep uh, um, keep pestering us. And then Enoch just talks about how like they become demons when they die, things like that. So fallen angels partially, but also from a biblical perspective and then off the Jewish perspective later, you also get the idea of... Of fallen, dead giants. So, do you think demons have uh, much impact in our world today? I think, from a biblical perspective, you would have to expect that they're still doing what they were doing before. You know, again, if they're if they're not divided against themselves and they're still against God and they're trying to overthrow God and you see spiritual powers at play over entire countries and nations in the bible uh then you should expect that you still have just as much going on and yeah i mean when i i've cast out demons once or twice and i've seen it more times than that with others um so i've come in contact with it uh if you go to other nations it's just it's very common thought like man, we just became Christians. Now and go cast these things out. Let's go take care of all these entities that we've been fighting. Because they don't have a problem believing in demons. They've seen the impact of it everywhere. Uh, whereas in America, we're more sheltered by it. And that's part of the way that Satan kind of gets a free pass to do so much more because no one's looking for it. So yeah, they, they still have an effect. They still match the biblical picture of what they do and uh, Revelation's portrait of... Basically, what happens when everything from government to everything else gives way to demonic impact. Eventually, it all just kind of crumbles under Satan's control. So, yes, it still has a a huge impact in the world. And part of the beauty of being Christian is the ability to see past the veil to see what's going on. That's kind of what apocalypse even is. We think of apocalypse as the end of the world. Apocalypse for an a, X-Men or an X Men, but from a biblical understanding apocalypse is like Revelation of the spiritual realm and what's really going on if you were to lift the curtain so So yes still going on All right so yeah so biblically you've got demons running around you've got them impacting people you See when Jesus shows up he's just like taking them out left and right He's got the power over them. He extends to us that power as well. Um, and you see what happens when people try to cast out demons without the power of the Spirit. There's a few guys who do it in Acts, and the demons are like, We've heard of Jesus, and we've heard of Paul, but who do you think you are? And then they, the Bible says that these exorcists are found then like running out of their tent naked. Because the demon, like, attacked them and they didn't get away with it. So, uh, you want to go with the protection of the Holy Spirit when you're doing this thing. Uh likewise I mean, you can't do it on your own power? No, not so much. Uh, and you'll, you might get hurt like those guys if you do. Even some Christians have been known to get hurt. I know some pastors who are like, yeah, I've been, like, punched during, like, a deliverance and had my ribs broke and things like that so like you know helps to helps to understand the territory that you're getting into and taking power and authority over these spirits when you're trying to remove them um you don't always know how they get in uh you see in the bible that a kid needs it cast out what did a kid do to get a demon you know probably probably nothing in his young life to really invite that in so it's, it's confusing sometimes as to like how they get there. But then you also see in a lot of deliverances, you're trying to figure out what is the route? Why did it get here? So we can break that and remove it. Uh, so is it unforgiveness over something that happened that opened the door for it to come? Well, let's forgive now and break that root, so it has no more right to be able to stay here and and remove it. Um Was it the constant giving over to some kind of addiction that opened the door to it? Well, first off, let's try to break the addiction in real life because the Bible says when you cast out a demon, it goes and gets its friends and try to come back. So we want to be sure that we can fight this when it returns. So let's work on breaking the addiction now and then let's remove it. And there's a lot of different um, ideas as to removing demons as well. Some people go demon hunting which I don't suggest. We're essentially like, it's like I got the power to cast out demons, so we're going to go out and find it. People give us a call, we show up, and we, we cast it out. Now, you can do that, um, but let's say that that person was not grounded well to deal with it after. Let's say it was an addiction. You removed the demon that was associated with it, but this person has no ideas in mind as to how to fight addiction and like three weeks later they just fall right back in and it gets so much worse because of it because they bring their friends yeah because they bring their friends as jesus would say so that person just got messed up whereas uh one of my mentors the way that he loves to cast out demons he's like i don't go looking for it i just pray with people and they they tend to eventually just show up the the holy spirit forces it out of them And then that's when I know, okay, the Spirit's brought this to my attention. I have to deal with this now. Which is a a funny guy. I mean, I got in the car to go to Chicago with him once, and I hadn't seen anything like it. He's just like, just been praying for this event. God's going to want us to cast out a demon at it. I can just sense that. And I'm, like, sitting in the car like, yeah. Of course, yeah. We, That's a normal thing. We've all been there. But he's casted out hundreds at this point. And he's like, man, I just hate doing this. It takes so long and it's, it's boring. <laughs> it's, it's annoying. uh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But then we get to Chicago. We're praying and this girl falls to the ground and starts s- sneaking around is the way that he described it. Which for him was like a, a sign. He's got different like uh, ways to identify because he's done this for so long. It's like, when you see it snaking around like that, oftentimes it's a spirit of witchcraft. And so he's like, all right, what have you done? Have you done anything that's maybe opened yourself up to anything? We find out, if I remember the story right, we find out she had played around with like a Ouija board or something. And in doing so, I'd kind of like opened the door to stuff, which... I know to a lot of people, Ouija boards are just like a joke. Like, you can go buy it in the kids' section at Toys R Us, you know? But, like, even occultists. Wait, Toys R Us is not a thing anymore. But it was. You can get the pink kind for girls, you know? Like, it looks like a toy. It's marketed that way. But, like, yeah. even occultists will tell you not to play with a Ouija board. <laughs> and the reason they do that is because, like, hey, we don't know what's on the other side. It's like picking up a phone with no idea what's on the other side of that. So like people who like mess around with spirits know like don't mess around with something that just opens you to like any mm. any spirit out there. So mm. so even even like those who mess around with demons <laughs> know better than to mess around with a Ouija board. So that being said, like we find that, we cast it out. I was handed, like, a bio, like, Jamin, just read this, you know. So, like, I open it up and, like, try to read it. And I'm like, I don't know what to read. Like, is this a boring genealogy that I just read? Or, like, he's like, no, go to Revelation. They hate that stuff. (laughs) Okay. I'll read about their demise, I guess. So, it's just, like, it was a weird experience for me. And yet, at the same time, like, I felt confident. Because I'm watching some other spiritual entity... Afraid of Jesus right in front of me. And you wanna talk about you wanna talk about a boost to faith. Like I'm talking about a guy who died and was resurrected two thousand years ago, who I never met in the flesh, and I'm watching some spiritual entity in front of me freaking out about it. It's like, yeah, well this will help you remember just how real Jesus is <laughs> two thousand years later, you know? Um it didn't even like it didn't say anything. It just kind of whined or whatever until we finally got it out, uh, which you could just kind of tell from the release. We had a happen at church once when we were just having a worship service. Someone was praying for someone else, and then it, it showed up, and we didn't actually get it out that night. But a few weeks later, we continued praying and removed it then. Uh, so, like, those are moments that happen when you are open to the Holy Spirit, Demons couldn't pass the threshold of a church. Uh, I wouldn't see why that would be the case. I mean, in my opinion, Christians can have demons. I mean, but your thought is whether or not it's holy ground. And right, so aren't all churches holy ground? Well, Christians are holy ground. And I think if... Uh, in my opinion, a Christian can have a demon. To some extent, I would say deliverance is only for Christians. Because if somebody doesn't have the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to remove a demon from you. I just set you up for failure, you know? So so if a person's not a Christian, we're going to have a deliverance. Like, first off, you you need to accept Jesus before we do this, or this is pointless. So some people operate under the idea that, like, uh, a demon wouldn't be able to get close to a church or to a Christian or things like that. But I don't see how that makes sense in other ways of life. Like, mentally, it makes sense to say the Holy Spirit and sin cannot coexist, right? In the same place. But then we know plenty of people who are Christians who commit sins. So you see, like, a person who has a Holy Spirit can also still open themselves up to sin. And therefore, it also stands to reason, just as you could open yourself up to the. You can have the Holy Spirit. You could still go the distance of opening yourself up to demons if you're not uh, focusing on on God. So, no, I wouldn't say a demon can't go into a church, and I would say that's biblical. One of the first demon, the first demon that Jesus casts out in Mark is in a, a synagogue. So it's almost like Jesus finds the demons in what you would call holy space. Uh, and maybe that's even the reason they're more agitated to come out maybe Uh, simply their God's presence comes in the church building or on a person since the person is the church right? Uh, Paul says that we are temples for God we're the tabernacle where God's presence lives so when God's presence increases or is more manifest in any given moment yeah the demons then like Agitated and kind of brought to light in those moments. So, anyways, uh, when it comes to deliverance, there are so many questions out there, and we can never like fully answer them all because the Bible doesn't have like a "here's your manuscript on every last situation." And there's a lot of weird stuff that happens uh, when you get into deliverance ministry that cannot rationally <laughs> right be explained. But The Bible is completely open to the fact that it does exist. The Old Testament, you see hardly any mention of demons, but then in the New Testament, it's like, (laughs) they're everywhere, you know, Uh, and then Jesus comes in and shows, I've got power over these things and I can remove them. um, And I'm the name by which these things are removed and by which they are ultimately judged. So when we subject ourselves to Jesus. We subject ourselves to the power that is able to conquer these things. So with that being said, there's lots of questions out there. Feel free to ask them on our Discord page and we'll continue the conversation over there.